I'm not really sure you want that, young one. You know my name, heard stories of my power, but you don't know me. I know you've journeyed a long way to find me, but I am broken and ruined now. Fixing me may not be worth it. Fine, fine, if you insist. You aren't the first person who needed power to save those they love. But first, I will tell you my tale, so you can be certain whether or not you truly wish to be my keeper. Welcome to Diceology, an actual play podcast dedicated to telling you stories in an anthology format. We're here for the role-playing and the rolling. I'm your host and singular player today, uh, Dane, and we are right in the middle of our anthology, Six Words for Love, uh, which is based off of the roughly six Greek words for love. We kind of just saw the idea and kind of like ran with it, and today, as I'm imagining you would see either from the title or the uh, description in this episode today we are doing and i'm gonna butcher this butcher this uh the love of self uh flautia i believe i believe that's how it's supposed to be said i'm not gonna be saying that word a lot but flautia it's the love of self and so today we're kind of running a little bit of an experiment there are amazing rpgs out there that are solo tabletop rpgs some of them have kind of intense mechanics some of them are sort of journaling games this is sort of more one of those so this is just going to be like a one episode thing and it's just going to be me here we thought it'd be kind of a good metaphor uh if it was just one person doing doing you know the love of self It, it felt like the uh felt like the right thing to do so here's basically how this is going to work I am going to play this game I'm going to read through it I'm going to talk people through my my uh my decisions and I'm going to read what I end up writing because this is sort of a journaling game and there are periods of time in this game that are supposed to represent long stretches of time and I'm just going to play sound effects through that so this is going to be kind of like a storytelling episode uh I don't I'm not going to roll dice here I just have prompts and we're going to see how this goes uh I would love some feedback on our Twitter or or our Instagram, any anywhere would be lovely about this episode since we are just trying something and seeing if it sticks. And honestly, if this episode's not for you, come back next time and we will have something completely different for you. I'm I'm really excited about it. I'm hoping you really like it. I'm hoping this is fun. Let's get let's get started. So the game we're playing we're the game I'm playing today is The Artifact, a game by Jack Harrison. Uh, This game uh, came out in 2019. Uh, You can find it on itch.io. And it is, like I said, solo TTRPG. You rest, fallen or discarded in the dirt, but your body is not flesh, and you are not mortal, so you wait. 
Seasons pass in flashes, cold following heat, rain following drought, death following birth, until one day your wait is over. Someone lifts you up from the detritus inspecting you, feeling your weight in their hands they decide to keep you. They become your keeper. Through them you experience the world. You see them undertake great quests or perhaps atro commit atrocious sins, all with your aid. You almost forget about that long time you spent in the dark until inevitably you return to it. And then you rest, fallen or discarded in the dirt. You do not know how long you will wait for someone new to arrive. So, preparing to play. What this is. In the classic dungeon crawl, you follow the lives of adventurers as they overcome challenges to gain prestige and most importantly, magical treasures. But what were those treasures doing before the adventurers came along? How many eons have passed in the silent darkness since they were last used? The artifact shifts the focus to the perspective of a single magical item and its history as it passes through the hands of many different keepers. You'll feel the weight of time pass as the item is lost or abandoned again and again, the dust and decay piling around it until it is found once more by someone new. So what I'll need, an hour of time, um, a quiet place to play uh, that can be darkened, and if I have neither quiet nor darkness, I can close my eyes. In this case, I'm going to close my eyes because I'm, I'm all headphoned and microphoned up. I can't, I can't really reach the light switch. Anyways, um, I will close my eyes instead. Pen and pencil, a timer of some sort, additional copies of the sheets in the back of this book. I have a digital sheet, which I'm going to use to type, and I have a timer in my phone. So, uh, optionally, it says, sounds of the of deep forgotten places to be played as the years drift past. I will have that covered in the editing. All right. Here we go. Look, uh, Choose an artifact. Uh, look through the different artifacts and choose one to play. There are three. Each has, a each has specific questions that you may answer during the game. The artifacts are all intelligent to a degree. Though when the game begins, this sentience is nascent newborn and fuzzy. Over time, the offense the artifact goes through will shape its properties and its personality. Follow the instructions on your chosen artifact sheet. I am going to go kind of classic here. I'm going to choose from the options are the weapon, the shield, and the instrument. I'm going to choose the weapon. I'm just going to go classic here. A tool of war, a blade, axe, or something stranger. Embellish it with gems, notches, and other curious details. Uh, mark and answer this at the start of the game, uh, your questions, uh, before encountering the first keeper. You were hammered out in the heat of the Great Forge by a legendary smith. Describe them. What was their name? And then I will add three traits below, uh, and then I will mark answers from some questions as I play when prompted. Okay, all magical weapons can talk, they are masterwork and attuned to each, attuned to suit each keeper. Um, I am going to pick, let's see, flaming, loyal, and romantic. Okay, give me just a second here. Through the power of editing, all of my writing time is going to be cut down. So, you know, give me a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a quick sip of tea and then I will magically have finished putting this together. My creator's name was Valowin, he who forged the anchor of the world. 
I am a blade, double-edged and with a cross guard. When called upon, I am as much flame as metal. My forge father made me both loyal and romantic. The runes upon my blade are not meant to be read aloud without purpose. Okay. All right. Let's see. What I what do I do next? What do I do next? Ba, ba, ba. Traits. Picked a, picked, I've picked my traits. Um... All right. When I've completed the instructions on my artifact sheet, empty my hands, close your eyes, and take a moment to breathe. For the rest of this game, I will inhabit my chosen artifact and perceive the world through its strange and human senses. Imagine the hands of an artisan, working with wood, metal, or glass to create its form and function. Feel the stillness of this confined, unmoving object set upon a shelf or rack. When you are ready, open your eyes you have come into the possession of your first keeper. Playing the game. Keepers. The artifact cannot act alone. A keeper must arrive to seize them. Only then can it travel around, seeing wondrous places and having grand adventures. While in the possession of a keeper, the artifact may learn truths about itself through experience and use. Its agency is limited, shackled as it is to its keeper, but it can begin to influence its situation through magics and force of will. When it is time for the first keeper, choose from one, newly for the first part, newly forged, and mark it off. Do whatever the instructions say. As you answer your questions about your keeper, think about where and how they obtained the artifact, how they treat it, and what they would attempt with it. If you wish, record details and memories of your time with each keeper on in a notebook or index cards, or in my case, in a Word document on my computer. Time. Artifacts outlive keepers. Through death, bestowal, or carelessness, a keeper will inevitably lose the artifact. The sun turns, seasons pass, and flesh and blood return to the earth. Eventually, another keeper will arrive. The artifact remains, inert and waiting. The seasons between keepers can be countless. You will pass time with the artifact through your experience you will pass time with the artifact, though your experience will be but a faint impression of its true slumber. Do whatever the instructions say. Don't worry if your mind wanders while you wait. The artifact's minds wander too. Certain prompts will uh, indicate changes. It seems add, remove, or replace something from your artifact sheet as you see fit. A trait, an answer to a question, a note, something, something on there. Okay. Ending the game. When you feel you have spent enough time with an artifact, you can wrap up the game once you've resolved your current keeper. Perhaps you've reached a point where you would wish to continue the artifact story in a different game. For example, a player character in a campaign could come become the next keeper. Be sure to complete the epilogue below if you can. Otherwise, the game ends in 3, the ruination. When the artifact is broken beyond repair or when you content to abandon it in a cold, dark place forever. Take a final moment to sit in the silence of the dark. Think about how the artifact is remembered, if at all, through stories, art, or archaeological remains in a museum. Then turn the lights back on, have a snack, and stretch out. All right, I start newly forged. Here it says to take a moment. When you've completed the instructions on your artifact and read the rules, empty your hands. Close your eyes and take a moment to breathe. For the rest of this game, you will inhabit your chosen artifact and perceive the world through its strange and human senses. Imagine the hands of an artisan, working with wood, metal, or glass to create its form and function Feel the stillness of this confined, unmoving object set upon a shelf or rack. When you are ready, open your eyes. You have come into the possession 
of your first keeper. All right. Part one, newly forged. My first keeper will be a folk hero. I will describe this person. Are they reserved or gregarious, stylish or utilitarian? I will choose once on either the deeds and victories or fates and follies table. And I may answer one question from the artifact sheet if I wish. My first keeper, Cascabel. Later, they would be known as a folk hero, but when they plucked me from my resting place beneath a pond near their home, they were reserved, and only looking for something with which to defend their home from a foul spirit that no normal weapon could touch. I do not know if my forge father knew that this would happen, and I would be needed for Cascabel, but in that moment they called out to me, not with a name, I didn't know that yet, but with their intention and I breathed flame into the world for the first time. The last rivulets of water hissed from my blade, and Cascabel swung upon the dark visage, skeletal yet bonded to a dark robe, as if formed from a child's nightmare. But together we sundered the foul thing. No stylish flourish for Cascabel. It was enough for them that they'd saved their home. It was always like that with them. Simple. No showing off. Just what needed to be done. It was an honor serving with them. Their former lover did not agree. Cascabel traveled with many great warriors and mages, healers and scholars. However, they most often traveled with a thief turned champion, Ravain. He reveled in our battles against anything, be it the cults following the dark spirits and creatures of the world, or when we faced the horrid things that they worshipped. As they fought together, Cascabel and Ravain fell in love. But no matter what Ravain wished for, always Cascabel would shun recognition or reward for their great deeds, and they would not abide their allies doing anything but the same. We help. We do not seek reward. Cascabel would say. Eventually, Ravain snapped. I don't know why mortal folk are such easy prey for wealth and privilege. But I am not one of you. Regardless, Ravain fell, and I watched helpless from Cascabel's sword belt as Ravain stabbed them in the back and sent them tumbling down a dark chasm beneath some god's forsaken temple. And then all I knew was silence for a long time. And in the dark, I resolved. I would protect my next keeper better. I passed a decade in the dark. So, uh, I picked um, a, th a prompt from the Fate and Folly. I got to add the warding trait. I didn't. I don't want to que uh, to answer a question, even though it says I said I could. And a decade is one minute of silence in the dark. So here we go. 
a decade at the bottom of that ravine. The artifact waits for a new keeper. Where does it rest and for how long? Choose one of the options, mark it off, and sit in darkness as indicated. Think about silence and solitude of the silence and solitude of abandonment. I picked a decade. So if two keepers have been resolved, go on to part two, a time of glory, and choose the next keeper. Otherwise, choose a new keeper from those remaining in part one. Okay, I will pick a wealthy young noble I will describe this person. If they are impressed by the artifact's properties or just another curiosity for a spoiled aristocrat, I think they're gonna be impressed. And if they are impressed, I will choose on the deeds and victories table as opposed to the fates and follies table like I did last time. I may again answer one question from the artifact sheet if you wish. All right, let's see. Let's see, deeds and, nope, too far. Deeds and victories, hmm. A sworn and bitter rival is defeated in a duel. Where does the contest take place and why is their animosity so severe? Okay, I think I like that one. Cool, cool. My second keeper, Orchid. She was a young noble. Some intrepid treasure hunter made a descent to where Caskbell fell and not knowing what he'd found when he picked me up simply sold me to a traitor. And from there, I was passed like that, hand to hand, coin for coin, until Orchid found me. She was young then. She was clever, right from the start. Beautiful. Dark hair and blue eyes looked me over. She didn't know it yet, but I was as impressed with her as she seemed to be with me. I wonder if she ever knew. She claimed me and studied me long into the night until she found out many things my history with Cascabel, how to wield me, and how to call my name. She was the first to read the runes aloud from my blade. After that, she kept me at her hip at all times. And though she rarely fought, she trained with me diligently, even spoke to me at times. I wish I had learned to speak back to her sooner, but I tried. But from the start, I swore I would not let her fall before her time. My forge father or the other gods would have to quench my flames first. I'm proud to say I did not fail her. Orchid only ever needed me once, when she was head of the household, maybe ten years later after she had found me. She was full-grown, and she had invited the scion of a hostile family, a man named Dredrin, 
to her home. She wanted to make peace. This feud had begun a century before this, when Jadrin's family broke a marriage agreement. From there, things had only gotten worse. The exact crimes on both sides are not worth recounting here, and frankly, I never cared. I only cared for Orchid. So when Dredrin summoned a deadly frost with his magic to kill Orchid, I came to life of my own accord. I would not lose my keeper this time. I created a ward of great flames around her. And then she drew me and called my name, Feronacht. And we did battle with Dredrin the frost. She fought like a dancer, elegant, her gown twirling as she cut through walls of ice, bounded around north wind summoned from his hands and pierced the cold with brilliant flame until he fell. Orchid grew famous for this, as did I, the blade of two heroes. I became her heirloom. On her deathbed, I spoke for the first time. Good night, Orchid, I said. I don't know if she heard me or not. When she finally passed, nearly 70 years since she'd found me, her eldest, a son, he picked me up, set me upon his mantle, and I was not wielded again for another decade. I spent that decade a bauble, prized object, in the study on the mantle of one lesser than his forebears. Okay, uh, this time I didn't change any traits. I am going to answer a question, though, from my sheet. My, the question is, you gain a name or honorific. Honorific. What is it and why? Uh, my, my name is Feronacht, Blade of Two Heroes. And a decade is going to pass. Another minute of quiet in the study of Orchid's son. Okay, all right. So, two keepers have now been resolved, so I can now go to part two, A Time of Glory, to choose the next keeper. Part two, A Time of Glory. I choose a keeper, mark it, and follow the instructions. When I feel I have explored the keeper sufficiently, I will move on to time. I will choose an indomitable leader. Describe this person. Who do they command? How do they gain respect and admiration of the people? I will choose one each on the deeds and victories and the fates and follies table. I may answer one uh, question from my artifact sheet if I wish. My third keeper. 
Quintus. He was an indomitable leader, and thus began an age of glory for me, whether I liked it or not. He became the first emperor and united all the peoples of this land. When he did, he offered safety and protection for all and an end to the nobility of the time, which he then replaced with his own friends and family, of course. But he was beloved by the people, at least at first. He claimed me when he conquered the lands Orchid once ruled benevolently. Her fool of a son tried to draw me against Quintus, but forgot my name. <sighs> my third keeper caught his hand and crushed the son's wrist without a second thought, scoffed. You own Fairnacht, and yet can't even properly wield him. He called me, and liking it or not, I burned and killed Orchid's son. Quintus looked at me and spoke to me. Somehow he knew I was there, that I could speak. Come now, speak with me, man to man, he said with a bold tone. I did not refuse him. It had been ten years of silence after just learning to speak. I said, You wield me well, but with as much hate as honor. He laughed. I did too. We did not like each other, but he would find no better blade, and I was tired of sitting and gathering dust. I missed the days of adventure with Cascabel and the companionship of Orchid, so I relented. I was there, and helped him drive off the horde of foul spirits from his own palace and capital city, earning him the respect of his citizens, and two decades later, when he accepted another duel challenging his rule... I refused to come to his aid. When he called, I did not answer, and it lost him his head. Turns out I was tired of taking the heads of those who dared commit the crime of disagreeing with him. After that, I was thrown in the treasure vaults, mostly forgotten. But I had learned that my keepers are not my masters. And in the dark of that vault, I learned that from my will, I could fashion a body from my flames. One that only differed from your own mortal body by the faint light I gave off. Sort of like a candle. I spent centuries developing this in the dark. And all the while, I thought, I decided that my keepers and I have relationships. I am not just an object to use, I thought. Cascabel and I, we were partners. We worked together to do good. Orchid was my friend. And Quintus wished to be my master in that he was wrong. Going forward, my keeper and I, we must be equals, I thought. Though over those centuries in the vault, I fell into disrepair for the first time. Over time, my blade dulled from the bright silver it used to be to the gray you see now. All right. I have picked up the traits independent and spirit body. And the negative trait from uh, the which table is this? Do, 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 do. The uh, dust and rust table. Uh, I picked up the trait tarnished.
I have also chosen to answer the question, how do you think of your keepers? Which is basically that we should be equals. And now for time. Uh, let's see here. Time from part two. Centuries. Choose once on the neglect or misuse or the dust and rust table, which I did. And then turn off the lights and sit in silence for three minutes. All right. Three minutes of quiet. Here we go. Okay, all right. If two keepers have now been resolved from part two, go to part three, the ruination, and choose the next keeper. Otherwise, choose a new keeper from those remaining. Okay, uh, this is my second from part two. I am gonna choose a pirate captain. 
I'm going to describe this, describe this person, their ship, and their loyal crew. If they are well-respected by the other captains of the Freebooter Council, choose on the Deeds and Victories table. Otherwise, choose on the Fates and Follies table. You may answer one question from the artifact sheet if you wish. I think I'm going to do well-respected by the other captains of the Freebooter Council and choose on the Deeds and Victories. <laughs> deeds and Victories... Let's see, let's see. Hmm. The ruling class are oppressive and cruel. The keeper leads an uprising and uh and the despots are overthrown. What replaces them? Okay, cool. Let's do that. Alright. Little T here. My fourth keeper. Marisol. She was the pirate captain of the Phoenix, with a loyal crew of a hundred strong. Queen of the Freebooters Council, hero of the Eleven Seas. Wherever she went, she was to be addressed as Captain or Miss Marisol. But she simply asked that I call her my love. When she and some of her most loyal crew members destroyed the treasure vault door, with black powder. There I was, in my spirit body form, faintly glowing and sitting atop a mountain of treasure. I simply asked, what are you doing? The others were a bit dumbstruck and confused, but Marisol, Marisol stepped forward and told me that they were part of a rebellion overthrowing the empire. After explaining this, she asked, and who the fuck are you, darling? Feranacht. Blade of Two Heroes. I already liked her, so I said, Perhaps you'd like to be the third. Marisol. Captain. Marisol. She replied. Marisol it is. I handed her my blade. My essence. And then I vanished into the runes with a spark of embers. From then on, we were inseparable. Together, we finished the work of the Rebellion. And then, with her crew and ship, we hunted down the last Imperial vessels across the seas. It was intoxicating. The purpose I had with Cascapel, the kinship with Orchid, and now, between my voice and body, I could actually spend time with her, with Marisol. I could tell her that she was the bravest person I'd ever met. I've ever met to this day. And that her laugh made me, it made me feel, or at least made what felt like a heart in my chest skip a beat. I, I could run my hand through her red hair and make constellations out of the freckles on her cheeks and clavicle. And she could kiss me. <laughs> and more. Good years. Happy years. Together, no, no ship could stand against us. I loved her. I protected her. She cared for me and helped repair the damage centuries in the dark did to my soul and mind. We became legend. She was Marisol the Flame, wielder of Farinacht. Only she and her crew knew that I was more than some enchanted blade. I was her lover, her first maid, a crew member like anyone else. We even retired. 
to a small coastal town. For a time, I was a cook. In an inn, she bought with all that treasure. For 40 years, we lived. She grew old, and I made my form old to go with her. It wasn't hard. I knew about age, even then. Time passed for her, and she passed with it. I didn't, couldn't, wouldn't. Some of her surviving crew gave her a sea burial in a little but beautiful boat. I placed myself between her hands like she was a knight of old. They pushed us out. When we were far out to sea, I called my own name and wished so badly that she was the one calling me. I burned and sank us. And I slept at the bottom of the sea. It was nearly 400 years before I was picked up again. Okay, so... I picked up the trait wise, and I picked centuries again, so that's going to be three more minutes, and I need to pick um, from the dust and rust, or neglect and misuse. I think I'm going to pick dust and rust again. Something was corroded or worn away, which affects uh, primary functions. No amount of restoration can return it to its former utility. Um, or a prominent setting or rune is damaged irreparably. How does the loss affect the properties? Okay, I think seawater and time destroyed the runes that allowed, allowed me to have a spirit form, spirit body. But first, hundreds of years, three minutes. Here we go.
two keepers have now been resolved, go to part three, the ruination, to choose the next keeper. Part three, the ruination. Choose a keeper, mark it. Let's see. Um, I'm gonna pick a pair of wandering bandits. Describe them, showing why they have no choice to work but as a team. Which of them ends up with the artifact and why? How do they fundamentally misunderstand its purpose? Choose once from deeds and victories or fates and follies table. You may answer none, one or two questions from the artifact sheet, okay? Okay, I think this is gonna be the last one. Yeah, because it'll be about 10-ish minutes in the dark across the entire game. So after this little bit here, I am going to just let it fade out with the music. Let the story end. Okay. Um, deeds and victories. Let's see. I already did the blade in the dark, courtesy of a former lover. I think they're going to lose it because they misuse it. All right. Here we go. Gonna get writing here, but through the power of editing. My fifth and final keeper, or keepers, I suppose. Hrud and Hrun. When Hrud and Hrun pulled me from the sea, I had changed. The seawater had left me without the ability to form my body of flame. And time had left me without the desire to speak let alone exist outside my blade. They were brigands, bandits, brothers, and they needed each other. They weren't heroes or nobles, not conquerors or pirate queens. They were just two boys, no older than 15, making their way in the world. They thought me a simple blade from a time when such things could be made and they used me as such. I did not come alight for them, not once. And they merely used me to threaten others so they could eat. Not long after they found me, after only a few months, honestly, I, this, I broke. One of them, Ron, I, I think, he slammed me against a signpost. Rudd called him an idiot, and me a piece of junk as he tossed me into the wood. But that was fine. I was tired. In between now and then, a century has passed. A tree sprouted around me. This one. It grew about both pieces of me. And here I am, dear traveler. You have found me. I am indeed Faranacht, blade of two heroes, flame of the conqueror, the pirate queen's true phoenix. I have been treasure and tool, foul instrument and garbage, betrayer and lover true. That is who I am, for good and for ill. You say you need a weapon. You say you can reforge me, and that's all very well and good. But I ask you now, do you truly want me as an ally 
as your ally, knowing me as you do, knowing my story. <laughs> well then, young one, draw me from this tree's heart, and let's see what legends you and I can make together. <laughs>